reading from Genesis 26. We're going to hear the family story of Esau and Jacob and their interaction with their dad. So starting at uh, chapter 26 and starting at verse 34. When Esau was 40 years old, he married Judith, daughter of Beri, the Hittite, and also Basemath, daughter of Elon, the Hittite. They were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son... Here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I'm now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now, Rebekah was listening to Isaac speak to his son Esau, and when Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so that I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother and she prepared some tasty food, just the way his father liked it. When Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her oldest son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goat skins. Then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she'd made. He went to his father and said, My father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. 
Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau, he asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of the game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, my father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father bless me me too my father but he said your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing Esau said isn't he rightly named Jacob this is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him Lord over you and have made all his relatives his servants and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword and you will serve your brother and when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. 
Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. And he said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, then I will kill my brother Jacob. When Rebecca was told what her older son Jacob uh, Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban in Haran. Stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Then Rebecca said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land, from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. So Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him. Then he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman. Go at once to Paddan Aram, to the house of your mother's father, Bethuel. Take a wife for yourself there, from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham so that you may take possession of the land where you now reside as a foreigner, the land God gave to Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob on his way and he went to Paddan Aram to Laban, son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, who was the mother of Jacob and Esau, now Esau learned, learned that Isaac had blessed Jacob and had sent him to Paddan Aram to take a wife from there and that when he blessed him, he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman. And that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother and had gone to Paddan Aram. Esau then realised how displeasing the Canaanite woman were to his father Isaac. So he went to Ishmael and married Mahalath, the sister of Nebaioth and daughter of Ishmael, son of Abraham, in addition to all the wives he already had. This is the word of the Lord. Really, if you're epic reading there, well, that's, that's a long time listening. So just turn to the person next to you and tell them where you were born, just quickly. <laughs> Not in a hospital. I mean, which town were you born in? You
Okay, let's get back together. So where you were born, that's part of your family story, right? I wonder if you've ever asked um, your parents or whoever looked after you questions about themselves or maybe even your grandparents. You know, things like, where did you meet? Um, where did you grow up? Or maybe if you've got kids, then they've, they've asked you that kind of question. And it's all sort of small details, but it builds up a picture, doesn't it? It builds up in some way goes towards making up who you are, your sense of yourself, your identity, who you feel you are in the world, and to some extent can even influence how you live your life from that sense of who you are. So, for example, growing up, my mum always knew she was adopted, um, and in, I think it was about her 40s, she plucked up the courage to start asking those questions um, and looked into a biological family. And I remember in my sort of late teens, a relative of a mother visited and filled in lots of the blanks. Turns out mum's mum had, after she'd had mum, she ran away to Australia, of all places, to start a new life. Um, but sadly, um, as mum looked into this, she died just six months before that on a visit to the UK. It's really sad. But the good news was, mum discovered... She had two half-sisters, always an only child. She's got two half-sisters, Anita and Linda, my aunties, that live in Melbourne. And knowing this sort of undiscovered chapter in her family history changed Mum's idea of how, who she was, no longer an only child, and it changed what she did how she lived in, in some ways. Now, I suppose she could have chosen to be bitter that her sisters got to grow up with mum, and she never did. But instead, they embraced each other. They got to know and to love one another. Finding out her family story had a real, tangible impact on mum's life. In today's passage, we're going back to Jacob's dysfunctional family, This family was somehow supposed to be the beginning of God's chosen people and his plans for saving the world. And everyone here, Isaac, so Abram's son Isaac and his wife Rebecca and their twins Esau and Jacob, they would all know that their family story was one of God making amazing promises to Abraham to bless him with offspring, land and being part of God's big plan to save the world. That was their family story of, of God going to amazing lengths to be faithful in keeping those promises. Uh, and this blessing given to Abram is now with Isaac and it's destined for Jacob. So my mum's family story caused her to know she was less alone in the world and go on a trip to Melbourne. How will Jacob's family, knowing they are owners of the world's most significant family story, influence how they live life. And for us, the Bible calls Christians, people trusting in Jesus as their Savior and Lord, well, the the Bible says we're adopted as well. It calls us children of God, co-heirs along with Jesus, his brothers and sisters, with a seat at the family table. How will our knowing that family story of God's promises to us influence how we live our lives? So the plan for today, as an outline in your leaflets there, hopefully you've got one. We'll look at the story. It's a lot to hold in your head, isn't it? So I'll just um, 
do sort of thumbnail sketch of the story as a reminder. And then we'll zoom in on each of the characters in the story. And then we'll think about some of the, the so what. So we'll look at the story of the stolen blessing, this rogues gallery of characters in there, and our story. So first up, the story of the stolen blessing. Let's just pick out some highlights. And just to say again, God in his kindness has written some parts of his word in this long-form narrative, in story. Um, and as humans, we get stories, don't we? We love, um, you know, t- uh, the setup of the problem, the tension to be resolved, suspense, the gripping conclusion, the twist, the after-credits scene, all of that. And in many ways, you don't go home, but you don't really need me here explaining it to you, do you? You can read the story and you can feel it, feel what these people are living through. It's so well written. You know, you react, find yourself reacting with them um, without being told what to think or how to react. And God speaks to us through that. So my job this morning is just to help you see what's there and try and help us bridge that gap from them there to us now. So verse 34, the detail there, Esau is 40, the same age, remember, as Isaac was when Abraham got his, remember his servant with all these camels, sent him off to go and find Isaac a wife, so that the blessing from God stays in their family. So I reckon that detail, 40 years old, is there to bring to mind and contrast that with the fact that Isaac hasn't bothered doing that for Esau. Esau, he's left to marry local women. And it's impacted the family dynamic. 26 35, verse 35. They were a source of grief to Isaac and Rebekah. We don't know why exactly. So Esau must have asked Isaac at some point, how did you and mum meet, dad? Well, it's a great story involving camels, he would have gone. <laughs> and why, why were grandma and granddad so very old? You know, he must have been told the story that showed the importance of God's blessing and keeping it in their family. But then neither Esau nor Isaac have thought much else about it in terms of who Esau marries. And now Isaac, old, thinking is not much longer for this world. He wants to ignore what God has said is going to happen and make sure that the blessing goes to his favorite son, Esau. And this is a family biased towards division. You know, we saw last week, Isaac loves Esau because Isaac loves meat. He's always on about it. And Isaac is, um, Esau is the outdoorsy hunting type. You know, he's like, he's like Gaston in The Beauty and the Beast. You know, he's probably uses antlers in all of his decorating and things like that. But Jacob, meanwhile, he stays at home and he's mum's, Rebecca's favorite. Now, God has clearly said, the older will serve the younger. That is, Jacob will be the one to inherit the blessing, not Esau. God's already said that. And yet, Isaac hatches a plan to bless Esau in secret, alone. Now, the big deal here is the blessing wasn't just some nice last words from Dad before, his pops his, before he pops his clogs. It's not just, oh, I want you to have my prize stamp collection. It's hidden under the bed, sort of thing like that. Now, the blessing was a prophetic word. It was a declaration of, this is how it's going to be for you moving forwards. And because this is God's chosen family, this blessing has got eternal significance. 
Now, normally, this would be a whole family affair. And to see how it should normally be, you can look at Genesis 49, when Jacob's doing his deathbed scene. Everyone's there. But Isaac's own family story tells him blessing Esau like this isn't God's plan. And so he does it on the sly. And because it's Isaac, it all revolves around meat. So Genesis chapter 27, verses 2 to 4. Isaac said, I am now an old man, and I don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and your bow, and uh, go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like, and bring it to me to eat, so that I might give you my blessing before I die. See, Isaac seems to think Esau deserves the blessing because he can provide tasty food. I mean, tasty food, six times that phrase is in this passage. Makes you hungry just listening to it, doesn't it? But the blessing was given to Abraham by God for free. He didn't deserve it or earn it. It was all by grace, all God's choice. We don't earn God's forgiveness, God's blessing, In Jesus, he has won it for us and offers it to us to accept by trust and faith in him. So meanwhile, Rebecca, uh, she's on Team Jacob. Maybe she was expecting Isaac to pull a fast one like this because she's listening in. While Esau goes off being a hairy hunter, she swings into a counter-offensive Uh, brings that into action to make sure Jacob wins the day. Because everything's on the line. This very day, all around this meal right now, whoever receives the promise of God's blessing, who gets to be the father of God's people, in their minds, it's all up for grabs right now. And right now, thanks to Isaac, it all depends on a good meat dish. So Rebecca, she's not daft. She knows the direct route to Isaac's heart is through his stomach. So she sends Jacob off for some prize goats. But Jacob notes a flaw in the plan. Esau's hairy. He's like a strategically shaved ape. Jacob is kind of Instagram filter smooth. So Jacob, so Rebecca dresses him in the best Esau disguise kit she can come up with, complete with Esau's clothes. And goat skin to cover his skin. I mean, how hairy was Esau? If the way to disguise yourself as Esau was to put goat skin on. But armed with uh, Rebecca's kind of best Friday night curry, you know, armed with Isaac's favorite dish, Jacob sets about winning the blessing. Not by honoring his father, not by obeying him or respecting him, but by conning him. He lies, and he asks for the blessing. He lies again, this time even involving God's name in it. But Isaac seems to be smelling a rat. You know, the food came a bit quickly, didn't it? And the, the voice is all wrong, but, I mean, no one's as... Only Esau could be that hairy. Verse 24, are you really my son, Esau? He asked. It's like that bit on the movies, you know, when the hero is trying to get through passport control under a dodgy passport and you get a close-up of the stern-looking border guard looking at the photo and the person ten times. Is this really them? Will they be fooled? 
Is the game up? Are you really Esau? I am, Jacob replied. Another outright barefaced lie, a deception. But it's working. Isaac loves the food. He loves the wine. He loves, he thinks, Esau. I mean, of course, it must be Esau. He even smells like the, the fields. Is that outdoorsy? And so, completely deceived, Isaac blesses Jacob. And it's almost as if, as Jacob's leaving stage left, Esau's entering stage right, just missing each other. Hey, Dad, here's that game you wanted. Let's do the blessing. Verse 32. His father, Isaac, asked him, Who are you? (laughs) I am your son, he answered. Your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then? that hunted game and brought it to me. I ate it just before you came, and I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. So with powerful emotion, and great despair, they realize that all the wrong decisions, all the trying to find a loophole in what God had said, and all trying to work around God's will, comes crashing down on them. God hasn't been fooled. They have. Jacob's done what Jacob does. He's been a trickster, a slippery eel. Rebecca wisely probably sends him off to her brother Laban to avoid Esau's anger. And Esau, you're going to feel sorry for him at this point. He's left desperately grasping for blessing, uh, even if it's just from dad. He even marries an Ishmaelite on realizing that dad doesn't like Canaanite women. But it's all too late. Jacob will inherit the blessing. It's a done deal. So that's the story. Let's zoom in now on these, this rogues gallery of, char- of characters in this story and learn what we can learn from them and, and really want us to take away how not to be like them. Okay. So Esau, first of all, order of appearance, Esau. So this is the bloke who sold his birthright for a bowl of lentil stew. And he knows the family history. He knows their unique place in God's plans for the world. And God's plans to bless the world through them. And he doesn't really care. At least not enough for it to have any bearing on how he lives his life. Whatever is in front of him, that's, that's more important. So he's married local women. Um, and the problem is, this is not a racism thing. It's, the problem is they're not part of his clan, his family. Because if Esau's family really is going to inherit the land of Canaan... Esau's wives, if they're Canaanite, will be disinherited. So Esau will be disinheriting himself. It all gets too messy, too complicated. It's all going against the clear example of Abraham. So don't be like unstrategic Esau, making decisions, living life without reference to the promises of blessing we have. So that's Esau. Next, Isaac. Well, he's not looked after Esau, as he said. He's not found him a wife like his dad did for him. 
And that failure is biting him on the bum, isn't it? Esau's Hittite wives are a great source of grief. And yet still, Esau is daddy's favorite. And despite God saying Jacob will be the one to receive the blessing, Isaac wants to work around that. Why? Well, is it because he's nobly committed to Esau as the firstborn? Is it his sense of justice that Esau should get first dibs? Is it the special bond he's got with Esau? Well, no, mainly it's because he loves eating good meat, and Esau's good at catching meat. So passing on the blessing and being given a good feed seemed completely wrapped up in Isaac's mind. He's given himself over so much to his love of food, so much so that it's led to really destructive behavior, to playing favorites with his children, to going directly against God's express wishes. Isaac's love of food leads him to miss what's really important. So it's a bit like Sharon and I have been on a conference this week called Refresh. It's designed to encourage church planters, married church planters in our marriages. It was really good. I'll tell you about it afterwards. But imagine if you do ask about me afterwards, what we got from it. And I just told you what I had for lunch each day and how good the coffee was and nothing about how it helped with marriage. They're, those things are nice things to get right at a conference to help you get the most of it, but they aren't what are important about it, are they? Isaac's kind of missing the point. He's so led by his belly that he's leading Esau astray. And he's so led by his belly that he's made himself vulnerable, easily deceived when his remaining senses have the right buttons pushed. So don't be like Isaac. Don't be like Isaac, making decisions based on a love of good, love of good temporary blessings. But don't miss out on the good life of living in light of God's much bigger eternal blessings. So that's Esau, Isaac, and Rebecca. I think the culture we're soaked in might actually lead us to admire Rebecca to a certain extent. You know, a single-mindedness. She's iron-willed, steely determination to see her favorite son get the blessing. We might admire her resourcefulness and cunning. She's undoubtedly gifted, but what she used her giftedness and insight for? Manipulation. Deception. I mean, it didn't have to be like this. God had already told her that Jacob would be the one to receive the blessing but she doesn't trust God to make that happen and instead takes matters into her own hands, bossing Jacob about, just do what I say. So don't be like Rebecca, making decisions to try and bless yourself. Make decisions to trust God. And finally, Jacob. Well, he's the one who's going to get the blessing, but his enjoyment of that as God's free, undeserved gift, well, that's going to be tarnished, isn't it, by the underhanded, deceitful, barefaced lion he used to get it. I mean, he's egged on by his mum, for sure, but he's fully involved. He's, you notice he wasn't worried that they're about to deceive Isaac. He's worried about getting caught, getting found out. And in his very pursuit of the blessing, Jacob proves... He doesn't deserve it. 
In the very way he's gone about getting the blessing, it proves he doesn't deserve it. That's what this family all have in common. Um, the prize is the blessing promised to Abraham. And they all want to win it. They're all after winning it. And that's their story. And that's our story, our last heading. Because blessing, well, that's what everyone in the world wants, really. We all have that sense that there's something better, something more glorious, more meaningful, something that will outlast us. And the Bible tells us that we're right about that. That something is blessing, knowing God's love and provision in right relationship, at peace with him. It's what we're made for. And we all have a sense as well that there's a barrier to our getting to that blessing, to our winning at life. And the Bible tells us we're right about that too. It's The barrier is our prideful rebellion against God in trying to bless ourselves. It's our sin, and it breaks our relationship with God. And ultimately, if we leave things like that, it will, mean, it will cause us to tremble like Isaac and cry out like Esau did, a deep and bitter cry. But God has fulfilled his promise to bless the whole world. In verse 12, remember, Rebecca, when Jacob's worried about getting caught, Rebecca offered to take any curse coming Jacob's way if he got caught. And it's a big, generous offer, and one she probably couldn't really have made good on. But one of Jacob's descendants, Jesus, could make that offer, and did. Jesus never lied. He never disobeyed God in any way. And that meant he could take on himself the curse of separation from God that we deserve in order that we might be reconciled to God. So Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, the Apostle Paul puts it like this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham, that same blessing, might come to the Gentiles, that's you and me, through Christ Jesus. See, the great irony of Jacob and his family is that they're tearing each other apart to win something that they just can't win for themselves, that they don't need to win. God has promised to bless them. They just have to trust him. We can't save ourselves, but we don't have to trick God into blessing us. God even used humanity's plotting and scheming that took Jesus to the cross to save us. We just have to put our trust in Jesus, who he is, what he's done, trust him as our Lord and Savior, and we're promised blessing. Just a few more implications for us to draw out then. It's worth noting we are spiritual beings, but we're embodied physical beings, aren't we? And that makes us really complex, really complicated, really diverse, like Esau, Jacob, and Isaac, and Rebecca are all such different people. 
you know, it was totally fine for, to like me, to have a preference to a good game like Isaac did. But it's just worth paying attention to that, to what our personalities and our preferences are, how we're wired, and how, how we're wired, what that means for the biases we have towards certain behaviours. Just so that we know what to be on our guard against leading us away from God, away from his blessing. Just so that we don't shrink our idea of what being blessed is, shrink it, shrink it down from the, you know, knowing the great glories of God in perfect relationship with him in all his majesty. The danger is we shrink that right down to blessing meaning just having our personal little foibles satisfied. So just be aware of who you are as a physically embodied person. And just to state the obvious, in case you haven't worked it out, parents, don't play favourites with your children. And children, don't play your parents off against one another. It's just destructive. Instead, seek to find ways, look for ways to serve one another, to show each other God's unconditional love. So you don't have to trick God, just accept Jesus. Pay attention to your preferences so they don't take over and don't play favourites. But I think the question raised at the start, go back to that. What would it look like in your life to live in light of God's promises? To think and speak based on knowing we are accepted into God's family and all the blessings that go with it. What, what does it look like to live in light of that family story that we're part of? Jacob's family has shown us that living to please others, to please ourselves, it just imprisons us. But living in light of God's promise to bless us, God's promise to never let us go and bring us only good in the end, well, that's liberating. Because our new family story means we don't have to cheat and tread others down and make power plays because Jesus has already won everything we need for us. Our new family story means we don't have to take up unhealthy, unreliable ways of finding belonging. We're already adopted into God's family, a seat at the top table. Our new family story means we can self-sacrificially let go, let go and go without those things, those preferences, those things we really like, because, you know, the goodness of God's blessing is sweeter. And our new family story means we can find our sense of approval in who God says we are in Christ, not what we can do, not what others say about us, so that we don't need to become proud when we're doing well, or despairing when we're going wrong. It's our new family story. Jacob's story, you know, Jacob gets, is a rat bag and gets the blessing anyway, doesn't he? But this story isn't telling us it's okay to do wrong, God will bless you anyway. That's not the take-home message. See, I can't help thinking there was a better family story Jacob and his family could have lived out. Taking God at his word and living in light of that. Loving and serving one another. Trusting God with the big picture. I can imagine a better blessing scene with Isaac and co. That makes the most of their God-given differences. 
So Esau still be bringing the meat. Um, Jacob and Rebecca getting the party ready. You know, they might probably have to tell Isaac and Esau to hold off the meat until the party started. Don't eat it all. Jacob being humble, not grasping about his blessing, but determined to bless the rest of the family with it. Rebecca using her steely determination to get them to cling to God's promises. Isaac pointing the family to the great God who gave the blessing. That's a nicer scene, isn't it? Well, that's not what happened. And yet, and yet, it's not my nice version that God uses to bless the world. It's this self-serving, deceitful, divided, and messed up family that God used. The great assurance for us is that however far wrong we go, however much we mess things up, when we turn back to God in faith, nothing can stop God's plans to bless. Nothing can stop God's grace to us in Jesus. So greater blessing in this life, in the here and now, that's to be found in lining up our decisions, our hopes and dreams with our great new family story of the promises that we have of God's blessing. But rest assured, nothing can stop God's plans to bless us for eternity by his grace. Let's pray. Lord God, we are all too aware that like Jacob and his family, we are undeserving of your grace. And sometimes that can um, frighten us from throwing our our lot in with you completely and serving you. We don't want to mess plans up. But Lord, thank you that you are in control, that you work through our struggles, you work through strugglers like Jacob, that nothing can thwart your plans, that nothing can stop your grace. And we're thankful for the undeserved blessing that is definitely ours for eternity in Christ. Amen.